literally hi literally hi um, um welcome back yeah it's just us this week it feels like it's been so long i know um, i'm hungover for no good reason <laughs> it's my first time being hungover in quar so that's fun yeah um but we're gonna talk about uh the lana letter we're gonna um, talk about the lana instagram note <laughs> and then and then we're gonna talk about paterno gate um we're gonna talk about the scandal that radicalized us <laughs> truly yeah our um our hometown hero 2012 <clears throat> joe paterno um mm-hmm. Which, but I think it'll do a good job of, like, explaining, like, why we are the way that we are, you know? I think like, so, too. Yeah. Um, like, diving into this, like, I definitely just, like, it was, like, literally giving me Vietnam flashbacks. Like, I was just, like, what is, like, like, th- it brought up so much, like, childhood, like, trauma. Not that I was, you know, the, the like, child most traumatized by the <laughs> scandal. But, like, but sure, I feel like just sure. just growing up, like... I, I mean more like sort of the response like of the town of State College mm-hmm. or like the people who are like bl- like bleed blue and white essentially PSU proud like just that environment and like what that was like I feel like it just like really formed like my opinion of society and it made mm-hmm. me such a contrarian from such a young age yes yeah I mean it's our origin story um, it's literally <laughs> our origin story Paterno Gate is our origin story yeah. <laughs> So here we go. I mean, a lot to get through. What's the, so what's your, what's your tea on the Lana letter? Okay. So for anyone who has not seen the note, basically Lana wrote this like fucking typewriter <laughs> note that she, I, it's better than an iOS press release. You know what I mean? Like at least she didn't write it in like, oh shit. Sorry. The mic fell. Oh my God. Aaron. <laughs> Literally <laughs> hung over like mess. Okay. What was I saying? Um, uh, oh, yeah, at least it's not an iOS, like, press release, right? Like, at least she didn't write it in the fucking notes app and then, like, screenshot it with, like, her battery life at 10% or whatever and post it. She did, like, a yeah, weird, like... Yeah, it's, like, Microsoft processing typewriter. for your new font or something. Like, um... I feel like she actually wrote it on a typewriter and then <laughs> scanned it. I kind of think that's... She might have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but basically the, the po it was like two pages of typewriter. Um, and it's just so messy. And she basically says like, within the first sentence, she's like, if Ariana, Doja Cat, <laughs> Beyonce, like, et cetera, et cetera. Camilla. Yeah. Camilla. Cabello, Nikki. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Nikki. Um, can sing about being sexy, wearing no clothes, fucking, cheating, etc. Can I please go back to singing about being embodied, feeling beautiful by being in love, even if the relationship is not perfect, without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse? And, like, she just goes on to, like, just say that she's tired of, like, people saying that she's glamorizing abuse. Uh, She says that in reality, she's just a glamorous person who sings about abusive relationships. I mean, she literally is. She's right. Yeah. It's true. Um, And then, like, a few paragraphs in, she talks about how she's not a feminist, but that there has to be a place in feminism for women who look and act like her, the kind of woman, quote, the kind of woman who says no, but men hear yes. The kind of women who are (laughs) slated mercilessly for being their authentic, delicate selves. The kind of women who get their own stories and voices taken away from them by stronger women or by men who hate women. Um, And what's interesting is like, okay, so there was 
tons of like fallout and controversy after she posted this. I will say, I mean, like my first reaction, like I was like, Yas fucking queen. Like I was like, same. Yeah, I was like so fucking shocked to turn to Twitter and just see like the the absolute ensuing shitstorm of like angry barbs and like K hive (laughs) and whatever the hell else. Like I (laughs) right. Okay, well, continue. okay. What what surprises me is that people were mostly upset about like her name calling like Beyonce or whatever, and right. not about her like literally saying she's not a feminist. Like I saw very few people talking about. She literally says like, to be clear, I'm not a feminist, but there has to like <laughs> nobody was fucking talking about that. They were just talking well, about. Well, maybe that's how, a like, relief. Um, I know, yeah, honestly. Maybe that means feminism's finally died, or at least in its, like, I'm with her kind of 2016 iteration. I don't know, because I, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I feel like, uh, so basically, like, the argument opposing Lana's note is that, like, you know, her post is racist because the artists that she named were mostly women of color. Ariana Grande's on that list, but, you know, Ariana Grande, woman of color. color. Uh, She's, like, Latina. I don't know. Um, I mean, not that I'm like the gatekeeper, but I feel like she should like pronounce her name like Cabello. She does. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. Edit um, that out. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, what this was about is just like that she named women of color for, um, like essentially like embracing and like reclaiming their sexuality or whatever. Um, and that, you know, I don't know, people were just sort of like Lana Del Karen, like, whatever, uh, classic white woman wanting attention yeah. type of thing. Um, but I think, like, I, I would say, like, the point that she's trying to make, I agree with. I don't necessarily agree with her, her prescription, like, in the sense that, like, okay, I, I think the point she's trying to make is that, like, there's a lot of praise for women, like, reclaiming or owning their sexuality, right. but only along a very certain set of parameters. Uh-huh. Like, totally. we get, like, we can, like, be, like, yes, queen, like, reclaiming your sexuality when, to, like, like, people Lizzo talk about, like, like... falls off a cocktail table or something. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's just, like, it... You can kind of... You can flip the narrative on men. Like, that's one way to do it, to be, like, yeah, and I made him give me head. Like, <laughs> like that sort of thing, you know? And, like, yeah. people like that. Um, people like, like, ghosting men, like, being like, oh, I have all these men texting me, but I'm ghost, like, you know, there's sort of, like, certain, like, Body positivity and, like, sexualized body positivity. Um, Especially, and I would say maybe only sexualized body positivity, honestly. Like, I I mean, that's, like, the whole, like, and, and, like, the whole OnlyFans thing, like, just all, there are very, like, particular sort of avenues you can go down, and I think, like, Lana's version of, like, owning her sexuality is not one of the ones that's allowed to, like, be praised by Uh feminism. Yeah, 100%. And I think she's spot on with that, and that's essentially her point. It's just that she's messy. (laughs) Right. No, she's she's being so messy. She's being an Edward. I mean, that's obviously, like, why I love her. Uh, Because she didn't need to, like, release this via Instagram note. But also, I was like, thank God, like, this feels like the first time that, like, a celebrity said something, like, remotely controversial in, like, six years. Since, like, the advent of tech. Like, it's just so... And, I mean, this exactly proves why. Like, it's so hard to, like, make, like, a political or cult... 
Like, I, I would argue that any statement that is divisive or takes a stance is inherently political. That's, like, what a politic is. And it's impossible mm. to make a political statement as a celebrity because, like, literally just, like, you know, X or Y or Z group on, like, Twitter just, like, chews you the fuck out. And, I mean, that's, like, exactly what's happening. So you can completely see why. Well, I think I think the fact that people are more concerned about, you know, like her calling out Beyonce, like so many of the tweets that I saw were like, wow, how's she going to come for Beyonce when Beyonce outsells her every time? And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> is Beyonce oppressed or is Beyonce outselling Lana? Like which, what's the power dynamic here that you're like trying to prove? Like you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think like that whole, like the fact that the discourse sort of ended up being that revolving around, like, the women that she named in the first paragraph, when she's not really, like, even putting a value statement on that, right? Like, she's basically saying, I'm doing what they're doing in a different way, and they're praised. If anything, it's aspirational. Yeah. People were like, my jaw dropped when I read the first line. I'm like... Like, That's because he didn't read the first line. Fucking <laughs> reading comprehension. Like, it's, right. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Our generation has, is. like, such ADD. It's a huge problem. This is Lana why. shouldn't have done a multi-paragraph uh, <laughs> Instagram post on typewriter. She should have just done, like, a thread of tweets, and then people would have been able to, to understand it. Or, like, a lip-sync um, for your life. Like, <laughs> it's like, literally, like, the preferred consumption vehicle. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it is just a stand war, right? Like, it's a stand war that's, I, like, co-opting identity politics and not really a conversation about identity politics that involves celebrities. It, it is right, just stands I don't think she wanted pissed. it to be a stand war. I mean, I think she was being edgelordy, but I think her point is absolutely valid. I mean, I think it gets to, like, in my opinion, like, you know, the whole inception of, like, cancel culture is that, like, there's... And kind of, like eighth wave or whatever we're on now feminism is that there are certain stories you know we're allowed to tell and that have currency and there are certain stories that don't and like I mean that's like literally I think I would argue kind of why like the democratic platform is so like uh utterly detached from reality and kind of why like the Trump is a Trumpist like you know zeitgeist is so like of the now is because like kind of, like, liberals online have, um, have just told so many people for the last eight years that their stories are not valid or not worth telling, and, like, those people, like, don't disappear, as we've discussed before. They, like, still have those stories and want to tell them elsewhere, and I think that's kind of what Lana is expressing, right? Is, like, mm-hmm. I have a story to tell that, like, the current, like, cultural zeitgeist on the left deems, like, like, continuously, time and again, deems, like, invalid or inappropriate. And, like, that's so lame. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think that's where I... Well, so, one of the things that made me think about is, like, what's even the point of feminism in 2020? Like, do you think... Do you agree with Lana's prognosis that there needs to be a place in feminism for women who look and act like her? Or whatever the fuck she said. Like, because I would argue that, like you know, what Lana's doing isn't really a feminist act, but neither is, like, what Beyonce is doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really a feminist act to, like, embrace your sexuality, like, and be a multi-million dollar, like, recording artist. Right. Or to, like, like, yeah, play, like, the corporate neoliberal game and, like, win. 
Like, yeah, and not, I don't think yeah. that that's, like, where our, like, feminism conversations need to be playing out. Like, in terms of being, like, oh, well, Lana sells this many records and she talks about this. So that's less acceptable than Beyonce talking about this and selling this. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not really relevant to, like, anybody's actual lived experience. Like, it's not relevant to women. And I I, <laughs> I think that there's, like, some... It's, like, relevant to the gays, like, to the stands, you know? Like, <laughs> but this is my point, is that I, I guess I just don't even think that, like, what they're talking about has anything to do with feminism. That's not to say that you couldn't analyze, like, celebrities and, like, you know, women celebrities from a feminist perspective. Like, you obviously can. Mm -hmm. But, like, to say that, like... I don't know, like, to say that Beyonce is a feminist just because she had it written behind her in, like, the Super Bowl, whatever the fuck. Right, like, It's right. not really, like, it's not legit. And I, I don't know, like, I, I guess, like, my takeaway from that is that she's absolutely right that, like, there are certain avenues that, like, uh, you know, reclaiming or owning your sexuality, like, is a Yaz queen moment. And then there's certain ones that people don't want to see or they're uncomfortable with or whatever, but I don't mm -hmm. think that either is really, like, inherently a feminist act or should be, like, co-opted into feminism. So then I'm like, well, what is feminism even doing? Like, what's going on with feminism in 2020? Yeah, like, I mean, I think I would argue that, like, a feminist, like, a feminist I'm, discourse should not be concerned with, like, bodies or, like, vaginas specifically per se, but it's... A feminist discourse is anything that runs, like, <clears throat> either counter to or parallel to or against, like, the mainstream. Kind of, like, the pervasive, not masculine implying phallic, but the pervasive, like, you know, neoliberal, corporate, hegemonic world order. So, like, a feminist kind of, like, a feminist practice or a feminist form of art would be anything that, like, subverts or exists outside of that. Not that, like, that's what Lana's doing, but, like, that's definitely not what, like... Beyonce or Nicki Minaj or any of those artists is doing because they're all playing like a, what is historically a man's game right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 so I mean in that context like feminism's dead with all of them and that's like kind of fine feminism was never really alive in pop culture because I guess I would argue it couldn't be inherently because pop culture is a game that's like created by like you know the Anglo-American capitalist machine Podcasting is a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except not anymore because now Joe Rogan's gone to Spotify, so he sold out. He sold out the whole game. But mm -hmm, I mean, tea. no, that's that's what I'm saying. Is like, I get what Lana's saying. I think she's right. I think it is. She's pointing out like a hypocritical fallacy, and I think that the inclination of people to interpret it as being a race thing is not really giving the note, like, the due diligence that it deserves, you know what I mean? Like, right. you basically read sentence one and then stopped. Right. And then decided to, like, tweet about it. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's fair. I understand, like, the, I understand the tones that people are pointing out that, like, Lana is saying, like, I'm a delicate little flower and all these women are, like, talking about fucking and cheating as if, like, Lana's not talking about fucking and cheating too. She's just, like, doing it in a different stylized way. Right. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think that that's really the point that she's trying to make. And I don't think that she's making a value statement about either things, you know what yeah. I mean? And so I think like, 
to interpret it from this like Lana Del Karen perspective is is not really doing like the service to the critique of feminism that I think she was like actually trying to make. Right, totally. But that but that said, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like Yeah, I I, I mean, don't know if I I don't know how feminism could embrace like what Lana is describing while also still being like centered around like I don't know, like women in the workplace, which I feel like is like a lot of what feminism is about today, you right. know, like is feminism, I guess like my, my question is like, is feminism about like equal pay for equal work, for example, like just being like you, you know, if you're a woman in this position, like you should be like treated like a man, like we should all be treated the same. Or is feminism about like adding value in our current economic system to stuff that is traditionally women's work. Right. No, I would totally argue it's the latter. Obviously. I think at one point it was about like equal pay or whatever the fuck, but I think it's totally the latter, but that's why like pop culture, like inherently can't represent like a feminist discourse because it's not pop culture. Isn't women's work. Women's work is like getting on a stage and being like who run the world. Like, Uh, yeah, yeah, I no, don't know. Exactly. I mean, my takeaway is just, like, Lana is, like, really, like, she's really smart and introspective and funny, and, like, I think the note contains a lot of, like, really, like, um, like, really, like, just, like, um, interesting points and perspectives, and so, like, why bother just dismissing it as, like, racist anti-feminism like it's like you just like want to have the quickest most reactionary conclusion possible instead of like ingesting a piece of written material that's only three paragraphs long you know I mean it's it's exactly what Lana is saying like they're proving her point you know like yeah they never liked the way she said it you know what I mean like if they don't get it they can forget it like they just don't they don't care about what she's saying they just don't like that she's like saying anything yeah you know yeah and I I yeah I mean she's totally right um my okay my like take on like why she posted this fucking messy note in the first place is that like I think she's been working on her new album And she's realizing already that it's going to get less acclaim than Norman fucking Rockwell because she's going to go back to, like, born to die sort of, like, singing about her. Or ultra-violence. I fucking hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I think think she knows that her music that is about, like, her relationships does not get as much, like, critical acclaim as, like, her music that is... I mean, you know, like, her last two albums are much more, like, political. They're much more about, like, responding to the times than they are about, like, Lana Del Rey as, like, a romantic character. Political and national politics sense. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And politically correct. Yeah. Well, and I think that that was necessary. Like, I don't know. I don't think that you, as an artist, can, like, go through 2016 and, like, still be doing the same shtick that you were doing before. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different world. (laughs) <laughs> no, Gaga's response is to be like, come to mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, I mean, it, like, I think, like, Lana's reaction to sort of, like, the post-2016 political scape was actually really, like, beautiful and appropriate. And I, I think, agree. 
I think that she the praise that she got for it was deserved. I think she's just stressed out because she wants to go back to what she used to do and she knows that she's not going to get the same praise for it. And so she's sort of preempting that yeah. by being like, why can't I get praise for like singing about my shitty boyfriends? And like, I agree, you know, like her singing about her shitty boyfriends is like just as good as her saying, God bless America and right. all the beautiful women in it. Yeah, but it's like, as are more relevant. Um, right, but, but I think one fits like a cultural mold that's like okay and the other doesn't and that's like it's never been about like what she says or the music it's about like the way that people want her to play a certain role in like their <laughs> i don't know in their like fantasy of celebrities being representative of the culture and representative of like identity politics in a way that they just aren't yeah you know i completely agree yeah, I mean, the response just summarizes why the internet right now just, like, totally sucks and is no longer fun. Um, so I hope that, like, the barbs and the beehive are, are happy now. They've, they've ruined the damn game. Just the barbs. Kidding. I, like, am a barb, like, in a I know, sense. I am a barb, too. As much as one can be a barb while, like, officially standing Lana Del Rey. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lana, we love you. We support you. We know what you were trying to say. Yeah. Um, we can't wait again. for your album White Hot Forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think she's going to change the album title now? Why? Because people are going to associate it with like white as in the rays. Yes. Like oh white hot forever. <laughs> I'm white and hot forever. God, like seriously, <laughs> fuck the discourse. It's so lame. Okay, yeah. dude, let's talk about Paterno. Okay. Okay, okay, we love okay. you, Lana. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of things that are like not okay to talk about, um, <laughs> the place where we come from. Okay, so my first question for Aaron, and that I kind of wanted to ask for a while, is like, how do you feel about being from State College, PA, and like being from Penn State, and like being from Central Pennsylvania? Uh, I love it. Like, it made me who mm. I am, and mm. I think like. I'm so much, like, funnier and smarter because I just, like, grew up in such, like, a weird shithole that, like... Wow. I, I don't <laughs> oh know. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, a take. Uh, the um, tea's hot. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it's... I, I think there's, like, a reason why I, like, have been dating somebody who also grew up in state college, like, yeah. for five years now. Like, I think, like... Uh, people from state college not all of them because a lot of them are like psychos who have like no self-awareness and are just like obsessed with penn state like as we'll get into Mm -hmm. but the ones that are sort of like outside of that i think if they're able to like just like not i don't know i think a lot of people from state college sort of like carry that contrarian antithetical uh perspective into the rest of their life unfortunately right right they're like transgressive for no reason and they just sort of like hate everything like yeah because that's what they grew up doing and yeah at the same time Mm -hmm. if you can if you can get through that i think like i don't know i mean you become like us yes i do i stay college podcast i so fucking agree (laughs) i mean i wasn't even like gonna go there in terms of calling the town a shithole which it is it's so like state college is like oppressively generic and inauthentic like it could literally be picked up off the earth and like placed anywhere in the US or UK and just look like any other town. It's like that photo of the gas stations and like the Burger King 
that like resurfaces on Twitter every few months. That's just like the most generic place on earth. That's like how our town looks. But yeah, I mean, State College is basically like a collection of like, it's like 30 to 40% like Penn State themed stores. Like you can go in and buy like a Penn State shirt and yeah. then like, <laughs> like 60 to 70% like weird, like drunk chain like drunk food chain restaurants you know like yeah just like being like do you want like i don't know i'm trying to think of like the fucking food like i, yeah, I just feel like, like do you want like a like... cheesy balls hamburger or something <laughs> and then like as soon as you leave the downtown radius it's like walmart's for like 30 miles yeah um, yeah and yeah like I, I there's sort of like this weird like radius around a university where it's it's very college town, which I think anybody who's been to a college town like knows what like the street closest to the campus is. It's just like a selection of stores that serve university students. But the right. thing with state college is there's nothing else. Like that's all it is, and then it just drops off to farmlands. Like mm, in the middle is like psychotic suburbs that are kind of like randomly conservative. I, I grew up, different context, I grew up until eighth grade in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a very kind of like I feel like it's a very, it's famous among certain people as just like a really progressive college town. And when my family moved to State College, I think we were ver all very shocked by just how conservative the kind of like small town culture is. Um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not affiliated with the university. But I completely agree with what you said about like, <clears throat> I mean, I talk about this all the time, but like, you know, cultivating like love for where you like, where you come from or where you live is not innate, and people who think it's innate are, like, truly, like, dumbass hoes. And, like, it's it's a learned and acquired skill, and I think that people from State College who simultaneously, like, bear witness to, like, the pervasive, basic, normative, like, monstrous culture, but also kind of, like, are able to be, like, I love where I come from, like, just, like, whether it's, like, the central Pennsylvania region or, like, the like the landscape or like certain things about the university that are really amazing it's like that's like such an amazing skill that I feel like for you and I like truly takes us through this crazy thing we call life um Tea. Tea. <laughs> and for like those of you who are listening who are not from state college or not familiar with state college like I mean basically the entire reputation of the town of the university of like the culture is Penn State football and fraternity life. Like that's basically what like determines right what the and fuck thon. happens in the town. And Thon, which Thon is, which is I would like say, a dance. Yeah, Thon is sort of adjacent to fraternity life, but that's true. It is technically like run by the Greek life, but people. But Thon people is like literally... for people that can't rush sororities, because like... <laughs> they like weren't pretty enough. Thon is like people literally come to Penn State to participate in Thon because they're like. I like that it's, like, a spirit of philanthropy, which is honestly, like, sweet, whatever. I I think I'm harder, I've learned that I'm harder on Thon than I should be, in a way, even though it's, like, the most, like, politically non-correct um, institution. Anyways, so, Eric, I guess I can, like, kind of, I was thinking I can, like, quickly, like, walk through the timeline of, like, what happened um, with the Paterno scandal. Yeah, I mean, so basically, like, I think that the Sandusky scandal, which I feel like that's sort of 
what most people would be familiar with from Penn State football. If it's not if like... If you literally uh, Google it, Penn State, like... Yeah, that's what comes up. It's like the Sandusky <laughs> scandal or like random like fraternity kid dies in a hazing incident. Like yeah. that's like what Penn State is known for. And I think that mm-hmm. like the Sandusky scandal really like encapsulates the vibe of the town. Yeah. So that's why we wanted to do a deep dive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Stephen, kick it off. Okay, cool. Yeah. And like the number of um uncanny valleys or just like I don't really know what that expression means but uncanny like (laughs) coincidences in my life connecting me to this scandal are fucked up um okay so basically when my family moved to state college there was like an 86 year old football coach who was like locally revered like joe paterno or joe pa and like his whole thing was that like he like, he put, like, academics before athletics, like, the students had, like, the football players had to get a certain GPA or something, and he had, like, a Catholic, like, American Catholic, like, work hard kind of sensibility, and then also he was just fucking old, so people in the town, like, were, they stand. This He was, donated a lot of money to the university also. Like, yeah, he, he donated, like, like millions library. of dollars, like, to the university, which, like, I mean, he got those dollars from the university in the form of, like, an insane salary for being a football coach right. at a public university, but whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, he was... This really our introduction and attachment to stan culture, I would say. Um... Well, I would say the distinction between Joe Paterno and, like, many other college football coaches is just, like, how involved he was in the town itself. Like, he didn't view it as, like, a stepping stone to, like, another point in his career. Like, being the head coach of Penn State is, like, all he ever wanted out of his life. And he'd been the head coach since, like, 1960. Yeah. And he, Um, yeah, and he was, like, this was still in, like, 2010 when my family was moving, like, or whatever. Anyways, and so he is, like, head coach, and then, um, I guess, like, so my senior year of high school, it, um, it kind of, like, comes to bear that, like, the assistant coach under Joe Paterno had, like, like, molested, like, 45 children in a way that was just, like, super, super sadistic and, like, fucked. Over the course of decades. Over the course of decades. He had, like, founded and created a, like, um, a, like, second, a halfway home, kind of, for, like, young boys from, like, battered homes in, like, the central Pennsylvania region, which is, like, pretty poor and rural. And, like, basically, like, 7,000 kids, like, went through the systems of Second Mile. And, like, I mean, they weren't all, like, molested, but, like, 50 or more of them were. Like, a truly just, like, insane and terrifying number. I mean, he basically set up a charity to source, like, children who would have no way of, like, coming out against him. Yeah, because they'd have no money. Yeah, and I mean, these were, like, 10, like, this wasn't, like, children in the sense of, like, oh, 16 or 17-year-old, like, this was, like, 9 to 14-year-old boys. Yeah. it it's, like, sadistic. It's (laughs) truly, like, I can't even, yeah, I mean, it is Epstein scale shit, and not in the sense that, like, Bill Clinton wasn't implicated, but, like, yeah, just in the sense of how, like, vindictive and dark and, like, truly upsetting it was, and then, so... He, it, and it kind of comes to bear that Joe Paterno had known, at least since 1998, but, like, 
arguably since the 70s. Like, he fully, like, had kind of just, like, been aware, and he had reported it, but, like, not to, like, the police, not... He'd done, like, the very bare minimum. He reported to, like, the chancellor of the university who didn't report it to the police. So, basically, it was, like, a cover-up that was ongoing for this guy who was, like you know, committing these just, like, really creepy crimes. And that, so and that they, was they like... were happening on Penn State campus, too. That's the other yeah. thing. It's, like, he would, like, bring the kids to, like, tours of the football facilities, like, you know, as, like, an event for, like, the second mile or whatever. And, like, there are accounts of, like, assistant coaches, like, discovering him raping a child in yeah. a shower. And, like, nothing is ever... Like, a police report is never filed. You right. know what I mean? It's It's mm-hmm. on record that, like these people saw these things basically like it kind of seems like not everybody knew maybe but like some very key people knew who could have done something about it and joe paterno was one of them yeah yeah joe paterno the president of the university and like several like the athletic director people exactly i mean to be clear joe paterno was not the one like molesting children which is important but yeah it was this guy jerry sandusky So this was, like, November, around, like, November 1st or 4th or something of 2011, my senior year of high school. So it was, and also for context, our high school was just, like, a feeder school to Penn State, which was kind of, like, super toxic in a lot of ways, I think. But basically, like, everyone's parents worked at the university, which made it, like, a super high-performing and, like, ultra-competitive high school environment that in many ways was unhealthy, but also, like, because you got, like, a 75-plus percent discount to attend the public university, almost everyone did. Which I actually think is pretty dope of Penn State. Like, it wasn't just, like, fat, like, faculty, staff, like, anybody who worked at the university, their children got 75% Mm -hmm. tuition discount, which, I mean, the fact that I went to college for basically no money... Oh, yeah, like, literally like, I, That's, yeah. like, literally, like, why I, I, like, can't be, like, oh, fuck state college. Because it's, yeah. like, I mean, I avoided, like, the student loan crisis. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay, and the, yeah, this is, like, tangential to the Joe Pass story, but that's definitely something that I think formed you in I's worldview, was, like, watching sure. other kids in our high school program, like, be, like, no, I need a two hundred fifty thousand US dollar yeah. education because I need someone to tell me that I'm not like the rest of these kids. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean that's like so that is a truly special level of like psychotic to like turn down that opportunity because you can't stand the thought of attending a public school. So, yeah, yeah, it was like very well that's what's weird too, is that all those kids, like their parents are faculty at Penn State. Like, I know. Their parents are professors at Penn State who are also like, no, my children deserve better than Penn State. And it's just like, it's so sad that those people are then responsible for instructing the students of Penn State. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. To like hate the place you're at. But like, yeah, to, yeah. Anyways. Like, it just, like, shows, like, I don't know, how little they think of their students. Like, right, it, Joe yeah, Paterno was like a... the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, Joe Paterno. We're, we're Joe Paw stands. We are, uh, yeah. No, but, but I mean, okay, so there's, that's sort of, like, the side that we come from in terms of, like, state college culture is, like, the, uh, you know, just, like, realizing that Penn State's really fucked up and, like, that right. as a culture, as a university, it's just, like, very backwards and weird and brainwashy and like yeah yeah, it's just it's just creepy and I think that the Sandusky scandal breaking when it did 
like really I mean it was like verifiable proof that the suspicion that everybody had that like the football program was fucked up the fraternity program is fucked up like all these things like it was just proof that they it's true that (laughs) like they are fucked up you know like Joe Paterno knew that Jerry Sandusky was like raping literal children in the fucking locker rooms at Penn State and he kind of just ignored it you know and they all sort of just ignored it or worse they actively covered it up right um yeah. And it was and just because they were worried about the reputation of the football program taking a hit. Like uh-huh. that's what they were I guess, right? Like why else would you That was actually like one of my one of my hot takes like from reviewing this. I was just like, why did people protect Jerry Sandusky? It's not like he was Joe Paterno. You know what I mean? Like if mm-hmm. it was Joe Paterno, I could see how like the fall from that like they wouldn't want that, but like Jerry Sandusky was just, like, an assistant coach. Like, yeah, he was just, but like, Penn a guy. State's, like, a factory town, and the factory is Penn State football. And I think people were petrified by the thought of, like... I think certain people, like, namely, like, Graham Spanier, the president, who, like, actively covered up, were, like, petrified by the thought of, like, kind of the, the factory shutting down in, like, a factory town, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, yeah. kind of right. what this... this threatened to like come to bear but arguably what happened was like way more psychotic and worse so basically the scandal comes to pass it's like november of my senior year of high school and basically what and then the the penn state board of trustees fires joe paterno because they're like you literally have been covering up a child's sex scandal for <laughs> and 30 he was like years. 86 like, years old like it was time for old. him to retire they they had tried to get him to retire years prior also and yeah. he had refused and he was like just try to fire me i'm like joe paterno like yeah, yeah i'm not going sh- anywhere mm-hmm. like you know it was his time like <laughs> he had a good run like I know. Okay, and so in <laughs> response, like, the town fucking goes psycho. And, like, because people loved Joe People Pa's take to so the goddamn streets. Fun. People <laughs> fully rioted, like, for Joe Pa. Like, for the person who was covering up a child sex scandal, which is, like, so chaotic. And I think that's kind of what we are, like, really interested in, more so than, like, the child sex scandal, is, like, kind of, like... What is this, like, class politic, like, I don't even know if it's transgressive or, like, anti-transgressive energy that would lead you to riot for someone who covered up, like, a truly egregious 30-year child sex scandal. Like, it's fucking insane. And, like, okay, now getting into all my, like, insane connections to this case. Okay, so this was the time that I was applying to college, and I was, like... Literally, like, I don't fucking care. I'm still going to Penn State. Like, I wasn't going to Penn State to go to, like, a football school. Or like, or even, like, a football school coached by Joe Paterno. Though some people <laughs> were. And I was like, whatever. But literally, Penn State admissions dropped. It was, like, the least competitive class in Penn State history. Like, admit, <laughs> like applications dropped, like, 50%. Um... I was literally working at the Penn State Creamery at the time, which is, like, also, like, a Penn State institution. Like, after the football game, you, like, go and get ice cream. ice cream, yeah. And we literally... The ice cream that is we, illegal in every other state, like, because of its so ingredients. That. And, and we literally, <laughs> dude, we literally had an ice cream flavor called Sandusky Blitz that was banana split flavored. And they had to remove it. Like, obviously. But then they... But, but... 
they had another flavor called Peachy Paterno for Joe Paterno. <clears throat> and like, people would come in and be like, if you fucking take Joe, like Peachy Paterno off the menu, I will fucking sue. Like people would get it like in spite to be like, yeah, I can still fucking have my Peachy Paterno. Like that is how it, like it's a fucking advantage. The guy literally covered up a child sex scandal and people were like, like, Oh my god, it's so insane. Okay, and then... It's psychotic. And that's the predominant culture. Like, that's not a small niche. That is, like, the Penn State culture. Like, I would say that is, like, more dominant than anything else. Is like, the football fraternity, like, 409 till we die. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, like, I feel like Penn State, in some ways, it's kind of like Animal House, or, like, a kind of, like, famous old-school movie about, like, American, like, college experience, like, frat, sports, like, bro culture, and then it's really, like, I think seeing that in a, like, 2020 shows just, like, how uncanny it is, because, like, there are just people dying, people die constantly, like, weekly, practically, from fraternity hazing, like, children are, like, sexually abused through the football program, it's just, like, the whole thing's a house of cards, like, it's, it's so chaotic. But at the same time, like, I mean, I truly stand by so many of the academic resources at Penn State. It still employs both, like, all of our parents. Well, thank um, God for Joe Paterno for fighting for the academic. <laughs> oh my God, that was so funny. And the, we watched the fucking HBO Paterno movie, like, yeah. to get our, our brains, you know, refreshed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at one point, like, one of Joe Paterno's kids says, like, they're gonna fire you? Like, this was a cow college before you got here. And I thought he said clown college. And I was like, oh my god, like, clown college, like, does describe my experience. You <laughs> literally State. went to clown college. That's fucking tea. <laughs> that is fucking tea. Oh my god. But, like, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, the idea, it's just, like, so wild that, like, people, like, even think that Joe Paterno, like, had a hand in, like, making Penn State, like, a research institution or whatever, but that is, like, that's the level of delusion that, like, people get into with, like, defending their obsession with football and fraternities, and I think, like, ultimately what it is is, to me, it feels like, like, very highly normalized drug addiction, the drug being alcohol. Like, what do people like about football? What do people like about fraternities? It's not, like, brotherhood or, like, the game of football. It's about, like, day drinking. Right. Like, that's what people riot about. Like, when they go and, like, say, like, we love Joe Paterno, like, Mm. they're not really talking about Joe Paterno even. They're, like, talking about, like, the Penn State lifestyle. Right. Which is just, like, being drunk for four years straight in, like, an amusement park of a town where, like, nobody is ever murdered. Like, the most, like, egregious offense that happens is, like, underage drinking charges left and right. Like, you essentially, like... That's so funny because I would leverage those same things about expats in Hong Kong. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Yeah, it's it's a very carnival kind of atmosphere, right? Like, these places where you go for, like, a period of time and you're allowed escapism, you kind of, like... I mean, and you and I even participated in that to a degree when we were in school. I mean, it was, like, fun. Like, it's clown college. It's Um, literally clown college. Like, state college is a joke. It's a joke of a town. It's, like, a joke of a community. And I think, like, especially with, like, Penn State, like, you know, people people are, like, generations deep in Penn State. Like, their parents went, their grandparents yeah. went. Like, it's 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 one of those things where I think there are a lot of people who graduate from Penn State 
And they're like, wow, the, this is the best four years of my entire life. Like right. dancing at Thon, going to the football <laughs> games on Saturday and like getting hazed and having to eat my fraternity brother's vomit or whatever right, the fuck right. they're up to. Like, and I want that for my kids. Like that's what right. they want. And so when... Okay. okay, we're being really hard on it. I think I was recently, Jack asked me, my friend Jack, who's like my only friend around at this time and he did not go to Penn State and is not from the town he's from a farm nearby and he was like why do you defend State College so hard because I always come to State College's defense and I said you know State College is predicated on the public school as an institution like it's literally like everyone goes to public high school like it's a public university and I like want to believe in the public school like I think that's something I really stand by like in this life, I think it's like one of the few things we have as a society and a civilization. And especially right now in coronavirus, I think we're watching it like slip away. Like I, I do think that's like one of several reasons I will like come to State College's defense. Like time and again, like, you know, I mean, but I agree. It's a, it's clown, <laughs> it is clown it's literally college. Clown college. We need free clown college for every American. <laughs> No, I mean, no, I, yes. I totally agree with you. I mean, that's when you asked, like, how do you feel about being from State College? Like, I love it. I'm so glad that I fucking went to public school and I went right. to fucking Penn State and I didn't like, I don't know, it, it banged a lot of like elitism out of me and like from a very young age, which was yeah. cool. And like, mm-hmm. I think like it made me. Yeah, it's not bourgeois. Yeah, I mean, like, I think like the, the dominant culture at Penn State being what it is, which I actually don't think I'm being too hard on it. I think I'm, like, calling it for what it is. But I'm not necessarily yeah, yeah. saying that, like, that is the end-all be-all of Penn State. Right. Like, it's... I, I think that observing that dominant culture from an outsider perspective from a young age made me less susceptible to, like, the bullshit and brainwashing in my future. And uh. I think, like, that's, like, why, like... I don't know, like, why I'm so quick to, like, call it, like, when I'm just, like... Just because something is, like, consensus amongst, like the majority of the people doesn't mean that that's like the right way to be and I think Penn State is just like a really aggressive example of that because like if you just went along like the town consensus or like the dominant culture you would be like literally like getting killed during like a hazing night at your fraternity like it's just like it's so fucked and people just go along with it for like a variety of weird reasons that like they don't really feel comfortable articulating or getting into but they know that they fucking love joe paterno or football or frats or whatever it is and they would die for it like yeah i mean just i think like, it really represents like i think especially the football program and the frats i think it represents their identities in many ways right like yeah i mean yeah. and so and i don't think that's necessarily like moral or amoral i mean it's verging on amoral but like it's not actively bad it just like is and so i think that like when people were writing for joe paterno you know they weren't they no one cared about the sex abuse that which is probably the most insane thing literally no one gave two shits about it and i don't even think they like really cared that much about joe pa i think they just thought joe pa was like a representation of the best of themselves because they were like this is my identity and look at the helm of my identity is like an 86 year old catholic man who like believes in academic values at the university you know so it was just like a yeah like a super easy way to kind of like justify one's like 
basic and, you know, morality is neither here nor there. It just is the kind of suburban identity for most Penn State people. Well, and that's obvious in the fact that in the years after the Paterno scandal, rioting started just becoming a thing in State College because people were like, wow, this is so fun. Like, I love rioting. And so then it was like, (laughs) if we lost to Ohio State, we'd riot. If we beat Ohio State, we'd riot. Yeah, so true. Wait, what was the riot that Eric got, like... Did Eric <laughs> identified? Like, yeah, like yeah. identified at one of the Penn State riots and like had to go. It was to, a football like... one. It was it was about win- it's exactly what I described. It's either fucking winning or losing to Ohio State or like God, Michigan so or some stupid. shit like that. Like, and people would just like break windows and like storm right. Beaver Canyon, which was just like the one of two streets in the downtown area. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow, the comparison to Hong Kong is like fucked up. But yeah, it's just like it's a carna- <laughs> it's a carnival atmosphere. I mean, the world is literally full of places like that. I would argue it probably shouldn't be. Um, oh, but duh. I mean, it's psychotic. But it just is, yeah. Um, so, so when all of this happened, when the Paterno scandal kind of happened, my si- older sister was dating the grandson of Bill Schreier, who was, like, next to the Paternos. The Schreiers were the other, like, number one donors of the pen- of the university. Like, their names were on everything. And Eliza and her boyfriend would, like, go out to dinner with the Schreiers and the Paternos, like, all the time. And, like, which is, like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, funny because it's, like, in state college, that's, like, as close as you could be to, like, knowing a celebrity. To royalty. (laughs) Truly to royalty. I was asking her this afternoon, like, you know, to what extent was the, um, the Sandusky thing, like, an open secret? Because, like, her boyfriend's parents were on the board of the Second Mile, and, like, um, I know. Yeah, but she said she doesn't think it was. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say. She didn't have, like, you know, a conclusive answer but I I would agree with her having known them like super well and that I don't think that like it was it was like, you know, a Weinstein scale thing of like everyone knows and just no one's doing anything about it. But there are I mean, there's a lot of like conserv very conservative players in the state college community, like as we've alluded to earlier, like especially people who work in fucking land development. Basically like everyone who's not affiliated with the university is often just randomly. It's like a like, psycho capitalist. Psycho capitalist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, like huge fracking money, huge development money. And so she said she did think that there were like certain people who like would have been on the board and like would have had at least like an inkling of knowing and just like chosen not to not to act well, I on think it. I think I think the Sandusky situation is very similar to the fraternity sort of like hazing scandals that come out periodically and that like I think a lot of it is um it's protecting it, it's like a very traditional gender role type of thing almost where it's like there's sort of these, like, boys clubs where they don't really, like, address, like, some of the shit that comes up in the name of, like, brotherhood and unity. And then the yeah. women are all sort of complicit in it. Even though they don't really know, they just kind of don't ask. And, like, I would say that's very similar to, like, the way that Greek life has responded to a lot of their, like, fraternity hazing issues. Yeah. Because, like, the sororities basically never have scandals. Like, they're pretty... I mean... Uh, there was one. There was, there was one the one sorority. where they like, made the girls like dance naked and called them sluts and like threw food at them. Okay, um, that's not that bad though. I mean, like, like in comparison, <laughs> like that, that in comparison to like 
like the one frat that got kicked off because a guy punched a girl in the face and she right. went blind in one eye. Like Or like on. I mean they kill people. They kill yeah, like they kill visiting high school seniors. Yeah, they fucking so kill crazy. And it's not yeah. just like, oh, he got too drunk and it was like kind of his fault or whatever. Like what happens is like these kids will get really drunk to the point where they need to be hospitalized and because the fraternity is so afraid of getting kicked off campus, they will not call an ambulance. They'll right. just like try to like, like save the kid themselves like, and like splash water on his face. But even worse, I mean, the most recent death, like the Beta Theta Pi scandal, which broke when I was a senior <laughs> beta, in college, Beta Theta Pi. Beta theta pi uh, <laughs> that was like they literally they were like beating that kid up, trying to like wake him up. Like <sighs> they were so stressed and upset that he was like dying that they and it, they have fucking security cameras all over their goddamn house. Like it's on video them like punching this kid to try to wake him up like while he's yeah. dying They're like it's so, so fucked and i think like the sororities are not involved in that the sororities are not there when those sort of things happen but they're complicit in the sense that they like don't really ask questions about it they try not to pry and whenever it does come down to like the story being like surfaced and like a scandal breaking they always side with the fraternities because that's right. like that's their people and i would say that that's like basically the same situation with like the upper echelon of Penn State management where it's just like there are a couple people who know and then there's a bunch of people who like don't know but they also know that it's shady and they kind of just ignore it yeah okay wait I have a question that's kind of tangential to what we're talking like that topic but like to what extent do you think that like the you know boys club aspect um of a fraternity is just like human like inevitable or like to some degree like human nature or do you think that it like could be eradicated because I remember when I was like when we were at Penn State it was very much during the time of like the rise of like the California tech bro it was like 2012 to 2015 and like Mm -hmm. I remember being and the Penn State frat culture was way more tied into like Wall Street or like Philadelphia like banker bros yeah it's more like it's kids that it's kids that, like, yeah. their dad has, like, a company in, like, Philadelphia or the suburbs of Philadelphia, and they, their dad went to Penn State, and so they go to Penn State, and they get their Smeal College of Business degree, and then they go run their dad's company okay. in the suburbs of Philly. It's not quite, like, Penn State is Eliza went to Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> to be well, that's a Schreier for you. No, yeah, but that's I mean, she was at like, the Honors College. Um, that, I think that's the public-private school distinction, though. Is that like Penn State huh. grads are not? There's not a pipeline to Wall Street really coming out of Penn State. Penn State is much more like a pipeline to like mm. engineering jobs, like in Pennsylvania, or like finance yeah. jobs. But like you're working for your dad or your dad's friends. Like it, it is still like, it's still a public school environment. It's not really like tapped into like the elite structures okay. in the way I that mean, other schools are. Sure. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I did not study business or engineering, but I do. I just remember seeing like, you know, the rise of the California tech bro. And I was like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is no better than the finance bro on the East coast. It's just like repackaged to be, you know, the, the, the aesthetic of the finance bro is very fraternity in my opinion. It's very like, like Coke heavy, like, you know, uh, not even veiled sexism boys club and like the the aesthetic of the tech bro is much more like you know champion championing like the nerd or the geek or at least it was at first and i just just remember being like this is no fucking different like this is literally the same shit in different clothes and i guess that just makes me think like you know if like 
if the core of both of those institutions is the idea of like a boys club or like boys promoting boys financially in like the neoliberal market to what extent is that inevitable like will we always have a degree of like frats well i would argue if we valued women's work more meaning landscape architecture <laughs> degrees or what no um <laughs> tying it back into lana no i mean i think i think part of it is that like uh I guess, like, my main critique of the frats, what I think could tangibly change and would, would, like, suit the university better and, like, would be, like, a more appropriate, like, use of, like, resources is just to say that the fraternities aren't affiliated with the university anymore. Mm, Like, why do we need... Because I think the thing with... The reason why people join fraternities, besides wanting to party is that there's this, like, legacy associated with it, right? Like, your dad was in it, and so you get into it, and then you make all these business connections in your fraternity, and then, like, those are your bros for life. Like, if you ever need a job, like, they will get you a job, you know? And, like, I think that, like, if fraternities are going to, like, play that game, then, like, they can't be, like, killing kids while they're hazing and, like, get, like, their respectable Wall Street jobs at the end. Like, there has to be... They have to pick. Do they want it to be a drinking and partying club or do they want it to be like a professional organization and i think like honestly both of those sound awful to me but like that's <laughs> like that's the distinction right. that they need to make and so i think like the fraternities being what they are which i would say is just drinking clubs that yeah. like sort of that just like continue and propagate this like elitist class of people because like once you're in x y or z fraternity you can then get a job working for x y or z bank because the president is also a brother of beta theta pi or what you know like that whole infrastructure i think like it doesn't need to exist the reason why it exists is because it's like those are the people that donate to the university because those are the people that are obsessed with penn state football or penn state fraternity life or whatever but like i don't really like i don't think that they should be like (laughs) i don't think they should be making connections like i think that they like they have to decide like which direction they want to go. And I think they've been trying to toe the line for so long and doing it so unsuccessfully that it's just like, at some point, like the university has to like put its foot down and take its power back. Will it do that? I don't think so. But that, that to me is sort of like the answer is like, it might if things get bad enough, which they like Loki are. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, who knows? It's it's hard to say. Penn State's so fucking weird. And Penn State is it's one... It's psycho. It's, like, not... It, like, I'm sure that, like, the same problems exist at, like, I don't know, University of Indiana or something like that. Like, a comparable kind of, like, weird, like, college town in the Big Ten. Like, I don't think yeah. it's just, like, exclusive to Penn State. I think it's kind I of, mean, like... I mean, Penn State's relatively very conservative and it's very bureaucratic. Like, by yeah, the... you know, very the con- bureaucratic. I think Indiana yeah. would probably be a good comparison because I think, like... Michigan or Wisconsin or Minnesota are like much more kind of progressive politically Mm -hmm. as institutions but I don't know I mean I think what Penn State gave me that I'm like really really grateful for is just like you really had to fucking like make your opportunities like I mean like and if you wanted to like they were there there's literally like 50,000 students or some shit and like I don't know I just feel like I had like a phenomenal education that like has gotten me all the things that I've wanted it to get for literally no money. And like, I mean, but I also just think that like the, the mentality of kind of 
being like self-sufficient like I think for you and I was like really formative and beneficial Absolutely. in that regard yeah well and I, I have a it's lot like of why we made a for... podcast it's so true yeah thanks Penn State for the connections <laughs> no we go, met before go Penn State. Um, we are we are no but I, I think that... <laughs> new opening uh, <laughs> literally we are truly <laughs> Um, no, I totally agree with you. And I think like, I I think you're absolutely right about like, just the public school aspect of it that like, that is, it's, it made me who I am. And I, I have a lot of respect for kind of like, the average Penn State student, not the ones that are like being psycho fraternity, like football obsessed, whatever. But like, I would say a lot of students at Penn State are like, getting an education at a branch campus for two years, like, doing the cheapest option, and then, like, getting, like, a legitimate, respectable degree. Right. Yeah. On, like, like, I don't know. It's, it it is, like, a pathway to success that I think is just, like, dwindling everywhere, you know? Like, colleges are becoming less and less accessible financially for people, and I think Penn State, like, its current model, at least, is still pretty accessible. Right, and when you don't participate in that system, you implicitly, like support its demise like if you don't participate in a public school system you're effectively saying I mean like you can still support it in words but like you're effectively saying like not in my backyard not me not my kids like yeah you know, I deserve I better mean, yeah no yeah. I mean I, I, and I think like that honestly like that like the college decision between like choosing to go to Penn State for like literally three thousand dollars a year versus choosing to go to like an Ivy League like private school whatever for sixty five thousand dollars a year, which I'm that sure I it's closer your... to seventy or seventy five. I know Stephen wrote, wrote my fucking letter of recommendation. <laughs> um, it's really good. We should honestly publish it on the Ooh, like, Instagram. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Done. But yeah, I mean, having that choice before me when I was seventeen years old, looking at like okay, is getting this, like, elite education worth hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, or should I just go to this school that I kind of, like, hate and always have because, like, I'm on, like, this outside contrarian perspective, but I recognize as, like, a good school. Like, making that choice, like, it made me who I am, and I'm so glad that I, like, chose to go to Penn State not that, like, I chose to go to Penn State, meaning, like, otherwise I would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Like, it's a choice. But anyway, like, like just, yeah. like, encountering that, like, at a young age and just being, like, yeah, I mean, I, I like, the public school is it. Like, yeah. it's a fucking mess, but it is what it is. I'm going to go to clown college. Like, I'm going to clown college and I'm going to be fucking proud of it. Okay, wait, <laughs> so I have a couple more um, while we wrap up. A few more just, like, uncanny kind of things to share. Um... Oh, okay, so what... Okay, so concluding the Joe Puss story, basically, so then he died. So, like... Oh, right, yeah, month, like, two months <laughs> after the scandal. It like, a month after him. the scandal, he just random... I mean, not... He had lung cancer and just, like, died. And it was, like... I remember, like, just a relatively, like, woke high school kid posting on Facebook being, like, if the board of directors doesn't think this blood is on their hands, they're wrong. Like, that's <laughs> how, like... I know, that's how, like you know, pervasive, the idea that, like, Joe Pa is innocent and, like, I'll fucking go down with this ship was, um... Dude, you know what I just realized? What? Like, okay, the Kardashians, like, obviously, like, they got famous off of, like, their father being O.J. Simpson's lawyer, and, like, they do not own O.J. Simpson at all. Like, they literally, like, they never defend O.J. Simpson or, like, their father being on that case. Like, they're fully anti-O.J. Simpson, which is, like, 
making them like they're like more like morally correct than like the Penn State population and like literally like okay so like their their father Robert Kardashian died of throat cancer and he was like not a right. smoker or whatever and Chloe says that it's because he never spoke his truth about OJ oh like, my that, god that oh my god, like yes. is literally like what the woke post should have been like Joe Paterno like got cancer because he like knew about child abuse for like 20 to 30 years and never did anything he about held it. it inside like a cancer um, <laughs> just no, like Robert Kardashian. That's, that's huge tea. Okay, so then, so then there was the, a Joe Paz statue, and like people, like literally, they were like, okay, whatever. Joe Paz dead. His wins got like all his wins got discredited, but they were like, this statue like means everything to us. And like literally, summer after senior year of high school, one random night with like Juliet Malouk and Emily Bedell, literally, it was like. The second, I was, like, the first time I was, like, high from smoking weed, we, like, went and took photos, like, spanking the Joe Puss statue's ass, and there was literally, like, a vigil of people, like, a vigil of people hold, locked arms around it being, like, you will not remove our statue, and we woke up the next morning, and on the news, the statue had been removed, like, which is- They still don't know where the statue is, by the way. It's hiding. <laughs> it's like, um, like, Mary Magdalene's body or whatever. Um, <laughs> the Joe <Jonathan laughs> statue literally is. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> it is fucking insane. Okay, Holy and so shit. then, the final thing is then, years later, HBO made a movie about the whole thing, and it was literally written by my boyfriend's dad, That's John so C. Richards. I know. I'm like, That's literally, so why is this scandal? Why is my clown degree following me? Like, for what? <laughs> No, we fully, I mean, neither of us were born in State College, but I feel like we, like, were born in, like, the base model simulation of State College, Pennsylvania. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, there's no, there's no getting away from it, you know? Like, just accept it. I love, like, I literally, I mean, all of this aside, like, I love coming home. I, like, love being at home. I love my friends here. I love going hiking here. I think it's, like, so beautiful. And, um... Whatever. And he's and I 409 forever. I'm he loves Joe Paterno. <laughs> Rest- um, <laughs> restore the wins. Um, they did, so, you know. Yeah, they did. Thank God for that. Um, conclusion to our odyssey. In conclusion, <laughs> in conclusion we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah, okay, my last, my wrap-up question was gonna be, is it, like, okay, is it alt to be like okay because the whole thing was like 409 restore the wins that was like the post joe movement 409 like, wins that the ncaa discredited because like it was during the time where he literally <laughs> knew there was a sex scandal happening and yeah. and there would be billboards like as soon as you drove out of town that were like restore the wins like oh, there were business, for the there was wins. like 409 like, wings that started up like yeah. there were like businesses that were like 409 yeah. themed like it's it's a whole thing. Anyway. Eliza said she was taking a run yesterday and saw someone with a 409 t-shirt. Like in Oh, there's bumper stickers. Yeah. 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 Okay, no, so is it like, is it alt to be 409? Like, is it transgressive or is it like the opposite? Like, pervasively basic? You know, what is like the role of 409 as like a cultural artifact at this point? Um, I think that... I think that it's stupid that the NCAA took away the wins because I don't think it has anything to do with Jerry Sandusky. And honestly, it just seems like being petty. petty. 
Like, yeah. Right? I mean, what does that have to do with Jerry Sandusky? Like, the fact that Joe, like, that Penn State football won 409 games throughout that, like, 10 year, 12 year period or whatever it was. Like, I just, yeah. I feel like it, it doesn't, it's not really relevant. It just seems like a way for the NCAA to distance themselves from, like, Penn State when in reality, yeah, like, college culture. football it's is, like, such a fuck. Yeah, it's canceled. And I, I mean, I think, like, the NCAA is so <laughs> fucked already. <laughs> God. They tried to edit, they tried to edit Joe Pot out of season 12. Oh um, my god, they literally did. They literally <laughs> did. No, but I mean, the NCAA is such a fucked institution, you know what yeah. I mean? And like, for them to like, pretend that they have some moral high ground when like, so they just true. don't, like, they're a part of, I don't know, and I think Penn they're State, like, like, that's what they were doing. Not that they shouldn't have fired Joe Paterno, like, obviously they fired Joe Paterno in this situation, but I do think that they tried to blame Joe Paterno because they didn't want, like, to get sued, or they didn't want the blowback, when it's like, it was the university's fault. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, Graham Spanier knew who was the president of the university and did nothing. And like, the that's higher up than Joe Paterno. And senile 86-year-old, like, at the helm, who had, like, received, like, dozens of concussions in his life, like, at the <laughs> helm of, like, the most important, like, institutional decision-making. Like, literally, what did they think was going to happen? It wasn't Joe Paterno's decision to make either. That's the thing. It's just, like, I don't know. Like, literally, like, I mean, Joe one of the people that... Joe Paul was innocent. <laughs> no, he wasn't. But, like, I, I do think that there is a lot of finger-pointing in the aftermath that right. is exactly the same shit that happens with fraternities. Like, yeah. where they're just like, Sherry it wasn't Pye. me, it was this. Blah. Or with Jerry Pye. Yeah, like, it's just an easy way to, like, avoid... Avoid a challenging conversation, right? Yeah, about, like, reform and absolutely. about, like, structural kind of... Um, problems. Yeah, and that's why I'm not gonna just point my finger at Penn State and be like, fuck you, you're the problem, I'm going to my private institution for college, because that's better. It's like, no, it's all bad. Like, we're all <laughs> part of the problem. Right. You know, all, whatever you can yeah, just, like... it's all really bad, but there are also, like, uh, all... I, I mean, there are people doing really, really great or important work at each place, and it's... Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think it's just your job to bear witness. Like, I just feel like... So true. This, like, growing up in State College, like, made us bear witness from a very young age. Like, you either had to bear witness or you had to, like, psychologically repress, and then it comes out in weird ways. Like, yeah. we just own it, you know? We own our clown <laughs> college. Like, it is what it is. 409 forever, we are. Keep calm um, clown on. <laughs> <laughs> mean State oh forever. Um, I love talking about Penn State. I know. We, yeah. we are. Um, well, that's like yeah. literally all my notes. Perfect. We did it. Uh, the uh, the really Paterno did. documentary darked me out. I do not recommend. Um, no. Actually, it's kind of fun. Like, all the shots of Old Main with like the creepy music in the background, I was like, hee hee, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. On uh, that, I have to wrap up. Um, my sister's quit her job, so we're gonna have a cocktail. Cute. Yeah. Okay. All right. This well, was really fun. Yeah. Literally right. bye. Literally bye.